and welcome to The Catch. I'm Matt Hansen, freelance editor with FindBet.com, joined today by writers and contributors for FindBet.com, uh, Tyler Austin, Brett Ludwizak, and our intern, Nahome. Welcome to the show, guys. How's it going? Well, my bracket's busted, so <laughs> things could be worse. So a lot of excitement with the free agency signings and to complement some of that action on the hardwood there. Absolutely. Feeling, uh, I think, you know, I, it's, it's safe to say the free agency has maybe been as exciting as a two seed getting upset by 15. Just maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. As, if you didn't know, I'm an Ohio State fan, so I've been living that down all day. <laughs> well, all night, all day, so. Well, it's, the beauty, it's the beauty and the sadness of March Madness, but we're glad to have it back. It was sorely missed last year, and uh, I know I've been watching some games, and uh, it's as exciting as always. Now, home, you're a college-age student. Uh, how do you feel about March Madness, and uh, are you keeping up with free agency in the NFL based on the fact that there's so much basketball to watch right now? Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Nahom Gorgella. Um, I'm here to talk about – I'm a new intern talking about um, NFL, NBA stuff. Um, thanks, Matthew, and everybody for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. You know, you're some young blood that uh, will come on and kind of give some new ideas because we're all old heads here. So, <laughs> right not Tyler, but me and Brett, we're old heads. So, so it's good to have you on. Um, Thank and thanks for introducing yourselves, guys. Uh, on this podcast, we will discuss everything going on in the world of sports that we can fit into 60 minutes. Throughout this series, we will cover a range of topics, including sports betting and fantasy, along with keeping up with current events, trade rumors, and more. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FindBet underscore news and on Instagram at FindBet just one word. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching FindBet. All of our newest content can be found on FindBet.com. Dan Tran and Henry Curry are hosts for Three in the Key, where they discuss the current state of the NBA and provide fantasy insight for who's hot and who's not. Uh, and next week, keep an eye out for our MLB fantasy rankings. They'll be coming out just in time for your fantasy baseball drafts. And I wanted to give a shout out to our Sunday Slay team, Ariana Prasad and Ashmir Prasad for their work on Fine Bet's first annual NFL award show, which you can find on our YouTube page. Um, and also a special thanks to Zakaya Woodson with Pop Dust for her work on uh, the production aspect of the show. But, uh, you know, we have not a lot of time today, boys. <clears throat> But we have a lot to talk about. Uh, NFL free agency has opened and it's been fast and furious uh, in the opening days of the period. We've seen a lot of major players changing locations, um, a lot of major teams and contenders uh, that are improving. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams vying for Tom Brady and Tampa Bay's crown going into 2021. Um, Brett, I'm going to start out with you and kind of let you kind of take off and talk about some of the highlights that you've seen so far in these first few days of NFL free agency um, and kind of things that have caught your eye. So when free agency opened up, it was like Billy B got his stimulus check and decided to go spread <laughs> it around the NFL there. I mean, pretty much, you know, within hours, they were bringing in Kendrick Bourne, Johnny Smith, uh, Hunter, Henry. Hunter Henry, all kinds of guys, you know, trying to revamp that offense to uh, – you still don't know who's going to throw the football for him because, you know, Cam might not be the answer. Cam's probably not the answer, but he can at least be that placeholder for maybe they draft a guy in the first round there. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be whoever they do, if they do bring in somebody, it's going to make their job a little easier with some of those weapons. Now they're not like, you know, huge top tier guys, but they, you know, solid 
performers um, who can put up numbers and together they can try to work their way back to maybe trying to compete with Buffalo there in the AFCs and just the whole division is getting tougher. You know, you're looking at what Miami's doing, the Jets are doing too. So um, that's going to, it's going to be a lot of fun matchups this coming year. Yeah. And now Cam, you mentioned, uh, who was the quarterback for the Pats last season, you know, had up and down uh, performances, but it was re-signed on a one-year deal. So he will be coming back, whether or not he's coming back to start. I would have to imagine that's the case. Uh, but you can't count out New England from potentially making a trade. Uh, you know, I've always kind of felt like Jimmy Garoppolo is a great target for them to try to go and grab in a trade, bring back to New England. And he just kind of seems like a quarterback that will work there in that system. Um, but Tyler, what do you think? Do you think Cam's going to be their guy going into the season? Do you think they're going to draft somebody? Do you think we could potentially still see a trade? Um, but, you know, they've added a lot of nice pieces around that quarterback position now in New England. Um, who do you see uh, being the starting guy on opening day for New England? I mean, you know, right now, gut reaction, I would say it's probably going to be Cam Newton. I just would have to feel that way. But, and someone pointed this out, and you look at all the weapons they signed, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, a guy who had great chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo, two tight ends in John U. Smith and Hunter Henry, all within the first two or three days. You're kind of building a really good offense for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I don't know if the Niners want to part with him yet unless there's a big upgrade out there. And I think the only guy he could consider an upgrade would be um, a guy down in Houston. And, you know, I don't think they want to trade him yet. So I, I see uh, Garoppolo staying with the Niners at least until uh, until we're a little bit closer to the draft or, or further into the offseason. So I, I think it's Cam Newton. Maybe they draft Mac Jones. That feels like a guy that Belichick would be into, uh, you know, him in the saving kind of their – uh, ESP, uh, old crotchety man, like lock that they have together. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a possibility. You know, I think New England's made a lot of great moves. Um, you know, you guys have touched on most of them, but just the fact that, you know, this is, I think, the most active we've seen New England in quite a while um, and going out and spending a significant amount of money um, to acquire talent. Because, you know, before they were able to kind of rely on the fact that, hey, we have Tom Brady. So, you know, we can kind of pinch some pennies and, you know, save it for a rainy day. Well, the rainy days have come. Um, in the home, you know, last year we saw the Bills ascend to the top of the AFC East. They've been somewhat active. You know, the best moves that the Bills have made, in my opinion, are, are re-signing uh, guys that they already had on their yeah. roster. Um, but do you think that the Bills are still going to be the team to beat going into 2021 in the AFC East? Or do you think some of the moves that we've seen Miami and New England make uh, may get them back on top? I think the Bills, they're still going to be pretty good. You know, they added Emmanuel Sanders. But suddenly, like, I don't doubt Bill Belichick. I think of all these signings, you know, last year they were 7-9 with all their players out. So I think of, like, with um, Judon and Hunter Henry – another year of Cam Newton with training camp and stuff like that. I think the Patriots might take the AFC East back. A little hot take there, but I think I believe in Cam Newton and Bill Belichick. I tend to agree. You know, I think that we saw, you know, just look, look back two seasons ago before Tom Brady was with the, with the Bucks, And, you know, you had a, a, a good, you know, maybe average, but maybe a good quarterback in Jamie's Winston. Um, and, you know, it was this pretty much essentially the same offense. You know, they added some pieces, obviously, after Tom Brady came. Um, but, you know, what the, the Buccaneers gained in Tom Brady 
New England lost. Um, and we saw how much of a difference that makes when a team can go from, you know, floating in the middle of their division to being a Super Bowl winner. Um, so they're having to replace Tom Brady. It was, a, it was a transition year, and they really didn't have a good roster. So I tend to agree. I think that the Patriots could be, you know, sitting back on top in the AFC East next year. But Josh Allen was just so good. And if he can just stay yeah. on the trend that he's, he was – we were seeing from him last year, you know, he's a top three – uh, quarterback in the league, um, which the AFC is just flush with with talented young QBs. Um, but let's go away from the AFC East for a little bit and go to the NFC. And I want to talk about the Cowboys. And even though the Cowboys haven't really had a huge uh, uh, free agent come, uh, they did take care of their biggest uh, problem, which was at quarterback, uh, re-signing Dak Prescott to a four-year, $160 million contract. But my question for you guys is – how does that affect the rest of the team? You know, they have a lot of guys signed to big deals right now. Does this kind of lay the groundwork for them having to trade somebody like Ezekiel Elliott? Yeah, I mean, it's so crucial to for teams to strike when the you have that quarterback under his rookie contract because you can get a – there's so much more cap room that you do have. Now the test is when you they have to sign that big contract – how do you outfit the rest of the team? Like you saw it with Seattle and Russell Wilson, while they've been competitive, they have made it back to the Super Bowl um, there. And you're probably going to see it in, in Buffalo when Josh Allen's deal comes up. I mean, they're not going to have sure. as much money to allocate to the rest of the rest of the roster there. So some tough decisions are going to have to be made. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, in terms of running back shelf life, you know, it's almost getting towards the end of that. Um, you've seen a decline in what he's been able to put on the field the last few years, and he's not going to find the fountain of youth. So next, you, you could see them maybe after this year move on from him. I don't think it's quite there yet, but you're going to start seeing – you know, maybe looking for that next option in Dallas there. And, you know, you're going to have that with other positions too. Um, so while they have their quarterback there, now they have to find the right pieces for the right prices. Sure. Sure. Yeah, Tyler, what absolutely. do you think? Is he going to be a cowboy uh, for much longer? Or, I mean, it might be hard to find a market for him to begin with. I mean, that's the one thing that I think we're seeing with this free agency, uh, the market to begin with, is just that it's it's tough on everybody at, after a certain level, right? I mean, and that's what's going to be tough on the Cowboys is they had some really nice depth pieces on that team last year. Guys like in Alden Smith, who had like a comeback one-year prove-it deal, who actually kind of lived up to that deal. And yeah. now I don't think they're going to be able to bring someone like that back. And, and that, those are the kind of the moves that quietly will hurt your defense because all of a sudden you, you're missing a depth piece. Uh, you're missing a, a Xavier Woods is a guy who I don't think they're going to be able to bring back now. So it, it's interesting what's going to happen. I mean, if I was that, I think that Zeke contract is, uh, you know, it's, it's more of an albatross uh, yeah, day by day. Yeah, it's a red flag for them right now, for sure. And, and I'm on the other side of it because, you know, Brett thinks, you know, is on kind of the end of, you know, Zeke might be going past his prime already. But, you know, Zeke's still young. I think he's only 25, maybe 26 yeah. years old. And, you know, when you take Dak out of that that offense and then you put in, you know, guys who I can't even recall their names outside of Andy Dalton, uh, 
you know, it hurts everybody. It hurts all the entire team. And it's just unfortunate because the Cowboys defense actually started to come around towards the tail end of the year. And if that, that defense would have been in place at the beginning of the year when Dak Prescott was was still healthy, you know, we really would have got a better sense for what that Cowboys team could have been because I thought that they were going to be really good. And that's before, you know, you like you had just mentioned, a guy like Alvin Smith coming out and having almost a Pro Bowl caliber year, um, being able to play both uh, off the line and coming off the edge from the linebacker position. So, um yeah, you know, Dallas is in a bad spot. <laughs> and we're seeing the Rams go through something similar uh, where, you know, they gave their quarterback that big contract um, in Jared Goff, and now they're losing guys, important pieces off of their defense. But I'm super happy about it because as a Browns fan, you know, I will take Troy Hill and John Johnson all day in our secondary because we need it. Um, but that's the, that's the after effects of giving the quarterbacks that money. Um, Nahum, what's your take on, you know, once a team gives their franchise quarterback that contract, like what's that window yeah. that they have to win? And, you know, what's the after effects and the ripple effects um, of that contract? Yeah, I definitely agree with what Brett said about like the rookie contract contracts, like what happened if um, Russell was in Seattle. They had like a strong defense when he was in his rookie contract. And ever since then, they haven't been pretty good. And I mean, I'm happy that got his money because I know like it was really like, a whole controversy about how he wasn't getting paid and stuff like that, how he got hurt. So I'm happy he got his money. But as a Washington fan, I don't think they're they're going to be as good. And I think the NFC East is for Washington now, and especially for our offseason this year. But in regards to paying, paying quarterbacks, I mean, I'm all for it. But it does definitely hurt the team, the defense, and all the other positions, the receivers, running backs. Yeah, it's crippling sometimes, you know, and it's a very short window. So it seems like, you know, Buffalo right now where Josh Allen, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, still playing on his rookie deal. I know that they were talking about even last season, like, hey, we're going to talk about an extension, but there hasn't been anything on paper yet, right? No, no, he, he's still um, still on his rookie deal, but I'm sure they pretty uh, negotiations are probably underway to set the groundwork for a new contract because that's got to be one of their priorities is to lock him up long term. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the kids earned it. He has just been – I didn't expect to see that type of a Josh Allen performance until maybe yeah. three, four years down the road. Um, so the way that he expedited his his progression was just extremely impressive. And the job that Coach McDermott has done there in Buffalo needs to be commended, um, along with, you know, younger young coaches like uh, Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland and Brian Flores in Miami. Like, what a job some of these guys have done. Um, now, talking about a coach that – was in a place that really didn't come through on the expectations and Matt Patricia Detroit really you know not a great offseason so far and right now they're at risk of losing their best offensive weapon in my opinion Kenny Galladay uh, I don't think that Galladay is resigning in Detroit and last I heard you know I, I saw teams like Baltimore maybe even Kansas City uh, on the list for Galladay uh, he's somebody that I, I just feel he's so extremely underrated just because he plays for the Lions. Um, where do you guys think the Galladay's could end up? Yeah, it seems like Baltimore, you know, that they sort of came in, have come in the last few days. Um, that'd be a good spot for him. I mean, pair him with uh, Hollywood Brown there, mm -hmm. or you have a little bit of the speed, and then with the Galladay skills. Also, an interesting place would be the Giants. Uh, they need weapons to uh, mm -hmm. surround Daniel Jones with also you're beginning Saquon Barkley back so if you had that combination that would be um it would help them get back into the mix of the NFC East which is wide open right now yeah yeah I mean and you can't underrate the fact that the Lions also lost uh Marvin Jones as well so I don't know who's going to be there to catch the football for Jerry Goff to be honest with you 
Uh, it's going to be rough. It's going to be a lot of TJ Hawkinson. So hopefully they put him in a, a bubble suit so they can keep him healthy. But, um, I mean, that's it, right? It's just TJ there. One thing about the Lions, um, I found it funny, shift on the other side of the football, um, where they traded for Michael Brockers. And Brockers, when they he, – he was with the Rams. And when the Rams traded Goff to Detroit – he tweeted or something that he was happy about that. And now he's, he's in Detroit now too. So he's going to have some explaining to do to Jared Goff there. <laughs> I believe he said a, a big upgrade. Yeah. was the direct quote. <laughs> wow. So back to a downgrade, I guess. Oh man. So let's see. I did also want to talk about the Niners, uh, Tyler. And since yeah. you know these are kind of your boys, they gave Trent Williams the biggest contract for an offensive lineman in history, signing him to a six-year, $138 million deal. Um, you know, he's obviously an extremely talented tackle, um, but, you know, also at 32 years of age, it's kind of like I feel like the same way when the Yankees gave A-Rod that 10-year contract, um, you know, at his advanced age, and, you know, you kind of know where th- these things go. I'm sure there's probably some outs built in there, um, but let's not focus on the, that part. I was just kind of thinking out loud. Uh, but the, the Niners have made some signings where, you know, they're keeping their their core in place. And their core is their defense and uh, offensive line that's pretty strong, uh, along with the running game. So what are the Niners doing next year? Are we going to see Garoppolo on the field? Or are they just kind of like bringing these guys in to have a strong line for a new quarterback? Uh, I think this is – this all looks to me like they're building around – the idea of Jimmy Garoppolo for at least one more year. You know, I, there, he's a guy who people want to say injury history, injury history, injury history. There's nothing chronic. You know, there are these one-off things. It's a knee. It's an ankle. You know, they're just kind of a little unlucky things. And look, those are things that happen because your offensive line cannot stand up and protect them. And so I think they're, they're, gonna, they're going all in on it. They, they were so over, but they needed to bring Trent Williams back. And because uh, he's the only guy who can do what he does to fit in that offense. And I mean, I think it speaks to his value that Patrick Mahomes was calling and texting him about every five minutes to try to get him to come to the chiefs because we all saw what just happened in the super bowl. Uh, So they had to bring him in. And then there's, there was nothing like uh, being, it was 1230 AM my time here on the West coast when uh, Trump Williams broke the news on his own Instagram, celebrating in a, a parking lot of James Harden's restaurant that he got the richest deal in history for a tackle. And then announced that we were signing Alex Mack in his next Instagram story. It felt pretty great. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, Mack's a solid addition. He's been a part of a a Super Bowl team in Atlanta. um, And he's just a really solid guy to have in the middle of the line. Um, You know, he calls audibles, um, you know, and he's a A Kyle Kyle Shanahan guy. He's been on two Kyle Shanahan teams. So it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Bring him back one more time now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think the Niners are going to be good. Um, you know, I think a lot of it's predicated on my guy, Raheem Mostert, staying healthy. Um, it's still all based around that run game. And, you know, Garoppolo can be good, but they just lost so many guys, uh, so many starters last year on both sides of the ball. It's really tough to gauge where they really are at going into 2021. All I know is that Kyle Shanahan, to me, really <clears throat> more so than their Super Bowl run year, uh, last year really showed me that he is a really excellent coach in the NFL level, being able to keep those guys in it with everything that happened to them until what? I mean, week 10, 11, something like that. Yeah. I and mean, the fact that they win six and 10 is still insane to me. Uh, Cause 
I mean, it's a team without their – they're probably the best player in Nick Bosa. Your, your quarterback, they didn't have their starting wide receivers on the field ever at the same time, I think maybe one or two games. Kittle was out for eight weeks. Uh, the offensive line was, uh, you know, shuffling uh, deck chairs on the Titanic for a while there. I mean, it was really pretty – Richard Sherman was gone. We were on our sixth cornerback at one point. So, I mean, it, 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 to go six and ten is a, a testament to the coaching job by there and by Robert Sala who I think has made some really interesting moves in New York, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Talking about offensive line, uh, also shout out to Nahomes, uh, Reds, or not Redskins, excuse me, football team. Um, <laughs> they put the franchise tag on Brandon Scherf. You know, that's a guy you yeah. just can't let go. Uh, you know, he's uh, all pro caliber uh, offensive lineman in this league. Um, so shout out to them. You know, they sneaky could win that division. Um, but I do want to talk about another team in that division, that being the Philadelphia Eagles going to be a really new look Eagles going into 2021. Uh, you're talking about uh, a new face uh, at quarterback on opening day for them. You're talking about a new coach. Um, a lot of play, you know, that was another team that was kind of ravaged by injuries a lot through the 2020 season. Um, what's your guys take on the Eagles? Because I really don't know what to make of them. I always think that the Eagles are going to be worse than they end up being. So I'm not a good gauge on, on Philadelphia. So what do you guys think? I mean, just from, Aside from the Carson Wentz trade, it's like, what have they really done this offseason? I mean, uh, you know, they, they've made a couple moves where, you know, they resigned Hassan Ridgeway, Andrew Adams, um, also signed Anthony Harris. But those aren't guys that are going to no, you know, play at the top of the yeah. division there. Um, and then also you have a new coach there who's uh, going to be a first-time head coach in the NFL. Uh, and so it's, it's probably going to be a rough year or two um, as they – I'm guessing they're having some salary cap issues. That's really why they haven't done a whole lot. So we're working their way through that. And I seem like they're probably going to have to take their lumps. It's not going to be the same Eagles team that you're used to under Doug Peterson. No, what yeah. about you, man? This is your, this is your division. I think, I think they're going to be in the rebuilding phase right now. You know, they let go of um, Sean Jackson, um, Oshawn Jeffrey. They're probably going to trade Zach Ertz. And it took away Carson Wentz's big contract. So I think they're just rebuilding right now. Jalen Hurts, like we are talking about earlier, with a young quarterback who's on his rookie deal. I think they're going to try to build their defense. I think this year they're going to be probably at the, I would say, either the bottom or second to last of the NFC East. And probably going to build through the draft in the next couple of years. Um, new coach, um, Nick, Nick Sirianni, Sirianni. Yeah, Nick Sirianni. Um, Coming Sirianni, over from Sirianni, Indianapolis. Yeah, who, was, who was good in Indianapolis, but – yeah, I would say this is a rebuilding year. I see, I see Thomas and Jalen Hurts of those games played last year during the second half of the season. I think he's a great quarterback, but I just think the pieces around him aren't aren't pretty good. They lost Jalen Mills, so I think they're probably gonna be rebuilding this year. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be a fun year for Philly fans, but I never yeah. do. Um, and sometimes they surprise <laughs> me. I do like Jalen Hurts a lot, you know, so I hope that he gets an opportunity to kind of be the starter for the entire season just to kind of see where he's at. Um, but, yeah, Philly's not looking great. Um, you know, sticking on uh, what brought us to uh, ultimately talking about the Eagles, <clears throat> which was offensive linemen. And I think Tyler kind of touched on offensive line of this team before. But the Kansas City Chiefs um, – both of their starting offensive tackles will not be with the team next year. Um, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, no longer Kansas city chiefs. And I don't think, Oh no, they did. They, they signed Mike Remmers um, who can play tackle. Kyle Long. 
Yep, Kyle Long. They, so yeah, I mean, they had Dooney from uh, New England too. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay, okay. So they have some replacements. I don't know if it's necessarily better. Um, one of the, one of the things about the Chiefs too. I wonder if they'll get um, the uh, offensive lineman who's the doctor, um, and he took he opted out of the season to help with. I think it's oh, uh, that's du- right. Duvernay Tart- Tardif or something like Tardif I can't Duvernay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So I mean, they maybe get him back this year, which could definitely help. But um, so that's something that people are forgetting about there. Yeah, I was forgetting about all that. I was trying to have a hot take and say the Chiefs aren't the favorites <laughs> going in, but I guess as long as Patrick Mahomes has breath in his lungs and there's at least some bodies in front of him, they're probably still going to be the team to beat. But let's talk about my team because I was trying to segue that into being, you know, goading you guys into saying that the, the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl next year. But the Browns have made some solid moves. You know, I had mentioned the fact that they have brought over a couple of uh, defensive backs from the Los Angeles Rams and John Johnson and Troy Hill. Um, you know, the secondary was definitely the weakest point of the defense last year. So those improvements I think are going to help. Um, but you know, the guys that they've added are telling me that they're no longer just trying to like improve the team to be better. I think that the moves that they've made are very targeted in being able to match up against teams like Buffalo, Baltimore, and Kansas city. Are you guys putting the Browns in the upper echelon of the AFC going into 2021? No, I, I, I'll let you go, Tyler. No, I would just I was just gonna say no. Uh, no, I <laughs> maybe, maybe, but probably not. Uh, I think I think they'll be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I need to see one more thing. I need to see Baker Mayfield make a Josh Allen type jump. That's well, I what that's I need. To, to really to say that, that's what I need to see. And I think he can do it. I believe in him, but I need to see it first before I can say it. I was burned too many times by the Browns this year. Uh, you were. You can check my call. Oh, yeah, no. the stats are the stats are there. <laughs> but what um, what's going to help the Browns is Baker's going to have a second straight year of working with Kevin Stefanski. Where throughout his career, it's every year he's getting a new offensive coordinator and you know new new system. Where you you're seeing it with Josh Allen, the same thing where he's gotten to work with Brian Dable for consecutive years, there, like three four years there. He's be, uh, develop some comfort uh, rhythm, comfort with that. So that's going to help Baker out a lot. And right now, I think the, the Browns, they're going to be – they're probably a playoff team now because, like the Bills, they've got that base in place. But So now it's supplementing that. You're seeing that with the Johnson signing, uh, Troy Hill, because they already have uh, – who were injured last year, Greedy Williams, Grant Delpit, guys like that. You're able to get – rid of Andrew Sandejo, um, oh, you know, it's awful. So, so bad. Sure Browns fans are had to be celebrating that. Yes. So, and, you know, at this point now, it's just adding to the depth of the quality guys to be able to put together that more complete team where before they had so much turnover with their coaches, they got to get their guys in, you know, it's it, now with that continuity, that's going to help. Tyler, I have a question for you. Is Odell Beckham Jr. on their roster on opening day? I mean, yeah, right? I think so. Uh, I, can, you, can you afford him? <laughs> yeah, that- we can afford him. You know, the thing is, and it, it, I have to say, I mean, I watched every second of every game last year, and I've watched every second of every game since Odell Beckham has been a Cleveland Brown. And it's an undeniable fact that Baker Mayfield specifically – but the offense as a whole 
just looks better when Odell's not on the field. Yeah, I mean, he, he was tweeting, what, act two, right? And I don't know if that's supposed to mean that's like a post-ACL thing or that's, uh, you know, I'm going to be moving on again to another team. I think that technically would be like act three because he's now <laughs> his third team. But, I mean, you know, he's a really – he's an unbelievably talented guy, but the talent and, and over the course of his career is not matched, you know, production. So, it's a hard answer. I, you know, he, got, he, got, he can literally do things at wide receiver that nobody else can do. But he, if you're not on the field to do them or if you're not in the, uh, you know, in the right headspace to do it, then, you know, it makes it harder to keep a guy like that on the team. Yeah, Nahum, what is it about Baker and OBJ, do you think, that they just have never been able to form that uh, rapport together? Um, I think at times Baker tries to force – throws to OBJ, like, there are times where he's, I can see, like, OBJ being disappointed and, like, trying to, like, force himself and being a diva and, like, getting those throws. Not to call OBJ a diva, but, like, at times you can just tell, like, he wants the ball in his hands and and uh, Baker forcing it. And you, as you see, um, after OBJ got hurt, the Browns went on the tear and they beat the Steelers twice and they went, they were definitely better without him. Definitely and, better without him. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, I think I think he's I think he won't be in the Cleveland opening you know, day. I'm up in the know. air on it because everything yeah. you know, the reasons why you know, well, all the reasons on either side of the argument that you guys talked about, I agree with. I want to see OBJ in Cleveland because you know I just I like having that weapon available to our offense. But at the same time, you know, they just re-signed uh, Rashard Higgins to a one-year deal, and he's been a safety blanket for Baker Mayfield ever since they've been kind of together. Uh, kind of got away the first year. OBJ was there um, because I think, as you had mentioned at home, Baker really tried to force the ball into to Beckham a lot, which uh, was just less looks for Higgins. And also that was the season that Freddie Kitchens was their, were their head coach. Um, and that was just a nightmare. But, um, you know, Higgins is coming back. We still have Jarvis um, and there's talent there, young talent and like Donovan Peoples-Jones um, who's looked good. So like, I don't think they need OBJ and maybe, you know, if that, is a draft day trade that they can get uh, a first rounder for OBJ or even a second rounder for OBJ and add a, a nice piece on defense. I think that's worth it. Um, but let's move on for from sure. the Browns. I don't want you guys to have to talk about my team for so long, but I'll be uh, just kind of let each of you kind of talk about some other things, some other teams that you like the moves that they made. Uh, Tyler, why don't we start with you? Uh, I'll start with the team that I, I don't like their moves. Uh, <laughs> that's even better. I like that better. actually. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the Jaguar. I, what are the? What is Urban Meyer doing in Jacksonville? Uh, I am. That's I like really, a you know just that's a question I asked when they hired him to begin with, but now it's all just playing out the way I expected it to. So it's just great. Well, like, didn't he say that like he doesn't like free agency or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> who would have saw that coming? Like he does know he just like he can't call Kenny Galladay's parents and like convince him to sign. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be in Kenny Galladay's living room and, and shake his hand and say, come play for me for free. Uh, Jim, Jim Harbaugh's already pitched the uh, – he's already got the uh, spare bedroom, you know, he's staying overnight. <laughs> Brought a sleeping up bag he's ready to go. with a warm glass of milk. <laughs> yeah. Especially because they brought in um, Trent Baalke, who's a former Niner GM, uh, to come in down to, to, to be the, the GM there. And a guy who ruined the, the relationship with Harbaugh, uh, soured that completely, and then did nothing but bring in, like, former ACL guys who basically never saw the field and then 
left the roster in shambles. So I don't know. His roster building has been bringing Carlos Hyde, a guy who he drafted. Uh, I mean, literally, I was looking at sort of our, our top 100 tracker here. This is a team that had 83-ish million dollars in cap space, and they haven't signed a guy in the top 50 of, of – uh, the only guy who was in the top 64 is Cam Robinson for a franchise tag, which I don't even really like that much. I don't even think that's oh, not a for a franchise, not for a franchise deal. Definitely. Because he's, I think he's just their, he's their right tackle. He's not even like your foundational left tackle piece. I mean, some of these guys, I, again, I've never even heard of, or I'm like, what, why is this? These are the guys you're going all in on over Sean Jenkins, Roy, Roy Robertson, Harris on the edge. So I, 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 I think uh, I, Trevor Lawrence is going to be in for a bumpy couple of years there at the beginning of his career. So, yeah, so, I mean, when you look through the, the Jaguar signings this offseason, you know, it looks like to me it's like if you're in a fantasy football league that's like, you know, you have a budget, you know, you have a free agent budget, and you just ignore the first eight weeks of the season and, you know, you don't even touch your team, and then you're like, oh, I have all this free agency budget I got to spend. Well, I might as well put 30% of it towards uh, Marvin Jones. They're just throwing this money away. It just looks like, you know, you're just picking up guys week nine in fantasy that are just kind of on the waiver wire and you have money to spend, so you're spending it. And there's really no direction. I don't see any of these guys helping long-term. And you know that you have the first pick. My, I guess my real question coming off of this, guys, is, did Trevor Lawrence just make the worst mistake of his life not going back to school for another season? Well, I mean, he, he's, he's going to be the number one pick anyway. I mean, he's, you know, you got to go in the league sometimes, find, you know, get paid somehow. But, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a rough start. You know, you might see him get sort of battered around like Peyton Manning in his first year where he threw like – seemed like he threw like 30 interceptions and got – sacked up 150 times so I mean it, it's wherever he's gonna start his career is gonna be rough um, now this one's just been magnified because he's also doing it with a college coach in his first pro professional job so it's, I mean either either way it's gonna be no matter when he came out he's gonna probably be in a dumpster fire yeah I mean I thought it was gonna be the Jets uh you know, I thought that they were going to have the first pick. And that's not a great situation either. But this just somehow seems worse. Maybe, so, yeah, maybe he could pull an Eli. Maybe he could, you know. He's got to do something. Is it too late for him to say, you know, all that stuff about me coming out? It was, it was just a joke. Like, I, my accounts got hacked. I, I, I'm going back to Clemson. Man, poor kid. Poor kid. Uh, let's see. Tyler talked about the Jags. Nahom, what do you got? What's what's been impressing you, or, or I guess I wanna I wanna talk about the Buccaneers. Like they haven't signed anyone crazy, but they just kept everyone together. They re-signed um, Shaq Bear, Levante David, um, Gronk, and Ryan Suckup, who was actually really good during the playoffs. He didn't miss any field goals, and they just kept their team intact. And that's I feel like it's a big. Really, really big deal. And I think they're the favorites for next year. And, I mean, they're probably going to lose Antonio Brown. But I feel like they already have so many weapons to us, and that isn't a huge deal. And they franchise tag Chris, Chris Godwin, Brady took less money. Yep. So, I just think they just knocked, to, um, knocked free agency at the park, to be honest. I agree. I think they're the favorites going in, in the NFC yeah. again next year um, for all the same reasons that you just said. It's a nice take on that. Brad, what about you? 
So there's a few situations that sort of um, have been pretty fun to watch play out. You know, it's pretty much all along I-10 uh, with New Orleans and Drew Brees retiring. And then it's like, oh, here, Taysom Hill, you're getting four years, $140 million, but it's all avoidable. And, you know, and, yeah. and re-sign Jameis Winston too. So, I mean, that's just sort of going to be interesting to see how the Saints are able to um, move on from Drew Brees and um, how long – if, if it's going to be a tough transition or are they still going to be a possible playoff team? Uh, Houston signing Ty- Tyrod Taylor, um, also bringing in Mark Ingram and there's some another running back. It's, you know, it's like, all right, just some moves that guys were good like five years ago. Um, but Lindsay. When is the Watson shoe going to drop? Is he going to be be there next year? Are they going to end up trading them? And then Arizona, too. It's like that's turning into the uh, sort of send-off um, from the NFL there. J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, guys who were big stars, but they're getting older and have de- dealt with injury issues. So it's one last sort of cash grab for those two. Yeah, you know, Arizona was a team that I was thinking about talking about as my last team just because I don't like any of the moves that they've really made, to be completely honest. You know, J.J. Watt is one of the best defensive ends in the history of the league. A.J. Green, you know, very injury prone, um, but a great receiver when healthy in his prime. But I think he's past his prime. Yeah, uh, and, and they lost Hassan Reddick on the uh, defensive end, Patrick Peterson. Went Patrick to Peterson going to Minnesota. Yeah, so it's – it's and Kyle – or what's his name? Uh, Cliff Kingsbury there. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't gotten the team to the playoffs yet. So, I mean, another year or two of sort of mediocre results and his seat could get a little toasty. I think so too, man. I mean, I think Kingsbury is a good offensive mind, but um, I think he's got two things working against him. I think that he's got a poor front office. Um, you know, in regards to the DeAndre Hopkins trade, like, you know, when you're working with Bill O'Brien on the other side, I'm really not going to give you too much credit. Other than that, you know, I don't think that this front office has done a really good job building up this team. Um, and I also don't think that Kyler Murray is as good as people give him credit for. Um, yeah, I could, I agree with you on all those points. I mean, you know, it's just sort of a, uh, I've, odd situation where he wasn't even Kingsbury wasn't even that good at Texas Tech and somehow he's still got probably because he looked good or something that's probably why he got the job there <laughs> I mean you know it's sort of just odd just to see him get to the NFL and um, now it's he's having a little trouble being able to get his team in the mix in the NFC um, there I mean they were almost a playoff team but you know they definitely lost missed an opportunity yeah I agree uh, I definitely agree with you on that um, you know, the team that I want to talk about last is not too exciting, but uh, I'm just really interested in your guys' take on what's going to end up happening with Russell Wilson. Um, you know, we've seen some teams fill some voids with quarterbacks, you know, most importantly, Dallas, um, which was a potential landing spot and rumored to be uh, a place that, you know, a Wilson trade could go. But there's really not too many spots anymore where it's both a team that needs a quarterback of, of Wilson's caliber or and have the ability to you know form some type of trade um 
do you guys still see him in Seattle next year and kind of running back the team that we were expecting to see in 2020? Or do you think that, uh, you know, we, we're going to see somebody different? Um, you know, I, I tend to think that they're going to try to keep him, being that they re-signed Chris Carson, which that was kind of up in the air. Um, but the Seahawks are in a very precarious situation because the Niners are going to be significantly better next year. I think the Rams, you know, even though it's not Jared Goff anymore, and now it's going to be Matthew Stafford, like I think they're going to be pretty good, albeit losing some some important pieces on defense. Um, and then Arizona to me is a wild card. Uh, but Seattle's really gone from like a perennial Super Bowl contender to now it's like, who knows if Russell Wilson's even going to be there. So what's your guys' take on Seattle? Yeah, the Russell Wilson unrest was quite a surprise because, I mean, he just seems like nothing phases that guy. He's the, like, you know, he was sort of the Kawhi, like, robot made to be a franchise quarterback in a lab somewhere, like, would never cause any any problems. And now it's like, oh, is the problem coming from in, inside Russell Wilson? Who knew? Uh I, you know, I don't know. I don't know the moves they've made. I, I, I like they got Gabe Jackson, uh, which I was because that's the one move the Cardinals made that I think I like is them getting Rodney Hudson. But that's only because the Raiders decided we want to implode our top five offensive line for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're just like, oh, instead of releasing him, we'll trade him to you for a third round pick. How's that sound? Uh, and so the, they, they kind of did the same thing up in Seattle, try to get a little more protection in front of Russell. But I mean, they're still giving $7 million to a running back like Chris Carson. It's like you can go out and find a guy in the draft or on the free agency uh, wire that's going to be a little bit cheaper and, and you can allocate those funds a little bit better. I, I, I mean, I think it's a precarious situation. I can't imagine them trading away a generational talent like that. Um, but I think if you're on the other side, if you're the Raiders uh, the, he had four teams, Raiders, Bears, Dallas, and someone else. But it's like, you know, the Bears decided we're going to bring in Andy Dalton to start. We're, we're running that in, which is a, an insane choice uh, after making after making a big push to try to get Wilson. But I think if you're the Raiders and you can say, we'll give you their car and a whole bunch of picks and, you know, uh, let's do it. I don't think you turn that down if you're the Raiders. But I think if you're the Seahawks, you have to really, you know, you have to ponder how, how bad is the situation going to get. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I feel like if Wilson gets traded, it'll be after Deshaun Watson, because um, that way, you know, one of those teams, you know, maybe Chicago gets Deshaun Watson, and they don't need, you know, desperately need a quarterback, you know, as they do now, where you know Andy Dalton's not going to be your starter. I mean, <laughs> or at least the Bears fans want to avoid that. Um, the Raiders, I think they could, they'd be. A, could stand pad at least. I mean, at least you have Derek Carr there. Um, so right. it's not quite as urgent as maybe a bear, the Bears situation. Um, and then with the Raiders, at least that, you could maybe drive the price down a little bit because it's like, all right, you're, Wilson's unhappy in Seattle. I mean, do you just want to get like nothing for him or, you know, or, you know, have this drag out and affect the team, um, you know, or we could give you this. And while it's not all you were asking for, at least it's something. Right. Let's see. Just looking through, um, just to touch on a couple of other important ones, Juju Smith-Schuster re-signed with Pittsburgh, which was looking unlikely. Yeah, um, it appeared that he was going elsewhere, but then he kind of came out, surprised everybody, signing a one-year deal worth $8 million. A Kind of a weird move, you know, considering his age and he has, you know, a pedigree and is known to be a, a good receiver, even though you might not have seen as much of that last year. Um who else? 
Who else? It's a tough year for receivers, honestly. I mean, look, we talked about Galladay at the top. I mean, he's kind of one of your top wide receivers out there. He's unsigned. I mean, I think for Juju, you say, I'll take a one-year prove-it deal because while the market's down, while the cap is down, hopefully Ben Roethlisberger remembers how to throw a football. <laughs> and then I can go get my money next year. I think that's, that's that was like, that seemed to be the, the, the mindset. And it's tough. It's tough because the salary caps got low is like 15 or something million dollars lower than it was last year. So, I mean, there's guys, you know, that are going to have to do these, these type of things, you know, like that one year, you know, perfect deal, just because guys aren't getting as much money this year because teams don't have as much to spend. That's true. That's true. That's something that we're not thinking about. Um, but look, we're running out of time here, guys. If we keep talking about anything else, I feel like we're just going to run way over. Uh, we can definitely get together again next week and keep talking about the moves that we're seeing in the NFL. And then also uh, maybe a little bit of baseball, too, because fantasy baseball drafts will be happening over the course of this upcoming week. Uh, Fine Bet's going to have some uh, uh, of our rankings coming out here early next week. Uh, we're excited about that. And uh, I guess that's all the time that we have for this, this week. Um, I want to thank you all for joining us. And um, do you guys have any kind of parting words for the audience that you want to go over before we go off? Um, not, I mean, hopefully all your, everybody else's brackets in a lot better place than mine. Because, <laughs> yeah. It's one day and it's already, it's already done, but, um, but no, it, it should be a fun few weeks here with, with uh, the tournament. Um, you have NBA, NHL, all kinds of, uh, that's in, in middle of season, MLB starting to come around. So, and just seems like things in general, in terms of, you know, people getting the vaccine. So things are opening up more and more people in. So let's keep on the positive track there. Let's keep it on the positive yep. track. Tyler, what about yeah. you? I'd say, you know, they used to they say, you know, dance like no one's watching. I think spend money like Bill Belichick's dog, Nike. Go for it. Use that $1,400. Spend, spend it your like stimmies. Spend it like belly. That's a great motto. That's a great motto. No, home. Uh, what about you, man? This is the first time you're on. Uh, it was really fun having you on. Uh, what's, your, what's your parting words of wisdom? Um... Go Oral Roberts. Run for Oral Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, uh, I just want to thank you for listening. You uh, Remember to go to findbet.com to check out all of our newest content. You can, send, can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching FindBet. Um, catch up on the state of the NBA and pop culture in Booms Bus Battlestar Galactica on the site. Remember to follow us on Twitter at FindBet underscore news and on Instagram at FindBet just one word. Um, thanks again for joining us on the catch. And until next time, may the waivers always be in your favor, my friends. Goodbye.